Let us pray. Lord, speak to us that we may speak in living echoes of your tones. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts, may the movements of our souls and the actions of our lives be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There comes a time in the course of being a human being in which we step out a little bit into the existential wilderness. We begin to ask questions of ourselves about our lives and what we're doing, if we're actually following a path, if we're making the most of what we've been given, if we're living up to expectations, either our own or those imposed upon us. It is the nature of being human. I know it sounds like a big exalted phrase, existential wilderness, but I do believe it's a part of being human. To ask these questions every once in a while. If you have never asked these questions, or if they don't occur to you, then I would like to sit down and talk with you. I would love to hear your secrets and then have you preach about it. Because it comes upon us that sometimes the expectations of who we want to be or who we think other people want to be don't quite jive with our sense of reality. Perhaps we were told by our families what we should be or could be. Perhaps we were asked to be extraordinary. Perhaps we've told our children that. Perhaps we've been determined to be that, to show those kids from school or the people from the old neighborhood or at work. Or perhaps we want to make our lives stand up somehow to the world's standards. And sometimes our ambitions exceed our ability, or the circumstances never quite play out, or someone or something got in the way, and sometimes our very specific hopes and dreams get dashed by the sharp contours of reality. What am I doing? What purpose is my life serving? Am I meeting my potential? There's a reason that the evangelical preacher Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, is one of the best sellers of all time in religious history. Because so many of us need to be reminded or grasp on to the purpose of our living. The people that we read about in the book of Acts are not like that. They are very clear and very focused. And fires and earthquakes and arrests and stonings and loss after loss and confrontation after confrontation and an empire breathing down their neck will not deter them from their mission. And why? Because they believe that their leader rose from the dead and still lives among them still. Now, on Easter Sunday, I talked a little bit about this and how I think that first century understanding of resurrection is hard for us to figure out in the 21st century, particularly if we're at all rational or empirical in our approach to life. We have trouble understanding why the idea of a living rabbi 
even after he's been crucified and put in the tomb, would make a difference. But it made a difference to the people in the book of Acts. And as I told you on Easter Sunday, and as I wrote to you this week in my letter, I believe that one of the fundamental messages of Easter is that love always triumphs over hate. And that you and I, if we truly believe that, if we truly live it, can exceed our expectations. I believe that if we're really willing to do it, the Holy Spirit can move through us, which raises a whole nother interesting theological conundrum for us 21st century dwellers. What is the Holy Spirit and how does it work? As Mike mentioned, the book of Acts is a book of adventure. I wish that Hollywood would do something with it soon because it's waiting for all sorts of special effects, all sorts of unbelievable, incredible things to pop out in every scene. And if you take the time to sit down and read the book of Acts, you will find it is truly incredible to our current notion of how life should and can work. But it doesn't stop the disciples. They believe. They pledge their hearts to this idea that love will triumph over hate. Whereas in the four Gospels, Jesus is the primary character and mover of the story, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is the mover and main character. And so the question I leave us with is how do you and I live our lives as Easter people? It is a question that I don't have all the specific answers for, but I will leave you with some questions today to think about. Perhaps you have been discouraged at times in your life by the circumstances around you, by the way people have treated you, by your own tripping up or getting stumbled in your own psychological barriers. I believe that if you're willing to accept what we sang this morning, that love divine, all loves excelling, is a reality. That God equals love, and if we believe in love, we can somehow believe in this concept of God and live it with our lives. It helps clear off the psychological desk for a lot of us. Because then it starts to guide every action and it resets what our ambitions should be. Am I loving my neighbor as, my, as myself? Am I serving others with my talents? Am I accepting myself and forgiving myself for the ways that I fall short or don't live up? I've seen enough things in people of faith that when people said it couldn't be done, the people of faith pursued a direction of love and tried it. That's what helped this church many years ago adopt a refugee family. It's what makes people wonder about this in this church again if we should be doing it once more. It's what makes us go out and walk for the Boston Food Bank, even though people wonder what good does just simply walking do but to call attention and to serve others. It is what has caused us to create a Thanksgiving meal that serves people every year, people who need a good meal, and has caused your pastors to question, shouldn't we be doing that on a more regular basis, and how might we do that to serve and feed those around us? It's what turns back the tide of wars, of hatred, 
of difficulty in relationships when we focus on this concept that love will win out over hate. As we heard in today's story, Peter is surprised by what he can now do. He reaches out to this woman, Tabitha, which in and of itself that we hear this story of him healing a woman in the first century is an important story of widening the circle of who can be in the faith. And he does exactly what he saw Jesus did. Now, I don't know why it wouldn't have been okay for Tabitha's life to end right then. I don't know if Peter was just showing off or testing himself to see if he could really do it. But he impersonated the living Savior that he had among him, his teacher, his rabbi, his guru, and he tried it out, and it worked. Our medical establishment has sent decades of research trying to do this again and again. And Peter did it with one act of faith. The only guess I can have is that the Holy Spirit was determined that there was more work for Tabitha to do, that the Holy Spirit was not done with her, and that Peter, working with the power of the Holy Spirit, could make it happen for her to continue on giving aid to the poor. Same in the story of Aeneas. When he found this paralytic man, he remembered back in the Gospels how Jesus had done the same exact thing and raised a man who had never been able to walk. You can also look at how science and our medical establishment has spent decades millions of dollars figuring out how to do this for people in our age, and yet this story tells us that Peter did it in one act. I don't know if you and I will ever be able to raise people from the dead or get them to walk after being paralyzed for years, at least not literally, but I wonder about figuratively, about spiritually. I believe that God puts people in our way every day who need us to give them a good word to sustain them in their lives to say go ahead and walk you can make it through this and I'll hold your hand or go ahead there is life to happen don't be stuck in this culture of death that is dragging you down let us kick away the tombstone together Earlier in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, it says that these disciples were uneducated, illiterate people, just ordinary folks, just like you and I are ordinary folks. A few weeks ago, they were standing, shivering, afraid at the tomb, many of them locked away in a room, who when the women came back and told them the tomb had been rolled away, they said, you're speaking nonsense. And now they're out and about doing acts of healing and embracing life. Nothing more is required of us and nothing less is expected for us to live as if love will always triumph over hate and life is worth living. Amen.